Good morning, everybody. It is good to see you all here this morning. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Family Church. And today I'm excited because we are going to be wrapping up a conversation we've been having this month in our series called Don't Miss It. And if you haven't been with us in this series, we've been trying to highlight the reality that as people, we are all in different phases in life. And we're all moving from one phase into another phase. And we all need people in the phases in front of us to help us get to that phase. And we've been highlighting a lot the importance of discipleship. And as Jesus followers, the fact that we have the responsibility and the opportunity to, one, be discipled ourselves, because Jesus calls us to that. And uh, a verse that I've been thinking about during this series is Luke 9, 23. And Jesus, he says uh, to a crowd, he says, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Jesus is calling people to say, hey, I'm going to reprioritize my life. I'm going to give up my own ways so that I can follow you, Jesus. I'm going to choose to daily pick up my cross and follow you. And so this, this idea of don't miss it, we, as Jesus followers, we can't miss it. We just can't. We can't make our faith uh, less than discipleship because it's the call that Jesus has for us. One, for our own growth, because our, our faith is not just about coming to church on Sunday. It's about a relationship with the living God that is active every single day. But then also, because we're called to pick up our cross daily and follow him, and part of following Jesus is that we go out and impact other people and help other people grow and help other people experience what it means to follow Jesus. And uh, next week, we're going to be back in the Sermon on the Mount. We started that earlier in the year. We're going to be back in that where we've, we've been learning this year just how we can follow Jesus each and every day in such very practical ways. But today, we want to wrap up our series, Don't Miss It, and one more time, highlight the importance of discipleship. And specifically, we want to talk about those who are downstairs right now and those who come out on Wednesday nights to youth group. Tonight or Today, we're going to talk about kids and students and what they do here at GFC Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. And we're going to talk about how we can get involved in their life. Because if we miss discipleship for our life, then they're going to miss discipleship. If we miss out and if we miss the importance of following Jesus each and every day by taking up our cross and following him and reprioritizing our our lives to what's important to him, they're probably going to miss that too. And so we want to talk about kids and students today. So today's going to look a little different than normal, um, as you can probably tell by the assortment of things I have up here, but it's going to be fun. All right. And uh, I'm excited to share with you guys. So first things first, what happens downstairs? Like what's happening right now? And what happens Wednesday nights when teenagers come out and hang out for a youth group? Well, the first thing is we have fun. We have lots and lots of fun downstairs uh, on Sunday mornings where we play, we laugh, and we smile. And we do that on Wednesday nights as well. If you've been down in our preschool toddler room, there's lots of colors and there's lots of toys, and that's on purpose so that they can have fun. If you're in kids' church, they play games and they do crafts, and we have a video of something fun that they did just a few months ago. So check this out. Can anyone top Micah's dancing there? That is awesome. I love that. 
So the kids, they had fun. They smiled. Oh, well, we built relationships with them and talked to them about truth. But then a youth group, we also have some fun. And we're going to have a little fun this morning. So I have two volunteers, and I'd like to invite them to come up. So Darren, if you want to come up. Dusty, you want to come up? All right, so we're going to have a little fun. They're going to have lots of fun, but we're going to have even more fun as we get to watch them. All right? So they're both walking up. And at youth group, one of the games we like to play, we've been playing over the last few months, is this medieval just tournament. All right? Because everyone, come on. Everyone wants to be a medieval knight, you know, dragons and all that sort of stuff. It's fun. So each of you are going to get a sword, all right? Now, this is on the line this morning, gentlemen, and I heard beforehand that these are your favorite there. So you also are going to get one of these presents. Now, the point of this game is you're going to take your present, you're going to balance it in your hand, all right? Now, you can't with the hole, you can't put this on your head, Dusty, or do anything like that. You can't, like, hold it there or anything like that. It has to be balanced in your hand, all right? Then, when I say go, you have to try to knock the present out of the other person's hand. Now, you guys can do whatever you want. You can jump off the chairs if you want. You can do a roundhouse kick. Don't do that. But you can slash with your noodle however. Yeah, don't hurt yourself. But we're going to do best out of three. Whoever wins gets Reese cups, all right? All right. So they're going to have fun, but we're going to have even more fun watching them. So who thinks Dusty is going to win? All right. All right. Who thinks Darren's going to win? All right. It's pretty, pretty well split. Now, I'm going to move some of these so then worship team doesn't hate me. Um, all right. So, Darren, if you want to take a few steps back, all right, you can each start on your own side. Are you guys ready? Any last questions? All right. On your mark. Get set. Go. All right, they're going. Oh, they're eyeing each other up. Ooh, I like the, the ooh. They're just flailing pool, pool noodles. Oh, it's going. Oh, all right. We are at one to nothing. All right. Darren, must. you must be practicing, all right? So, are you guys ready? All right, Dusty, if he gets you here, he wins the Reese Cups. All right. All right, on your mark. Get set, Go. Oh, I like the jab there. Oh, slowly but surely, Darren is approaching. Oh. Oh, don't hold it. Keep, keep the present out. Keep the present out away from your body. Oh. Oh, come on. Put pressure on him, Dusty. Come on. Come on. Come on. Oh, don't lose it. No. Oh, well done. Well done. Darren, good job. Now we all know not to face you in a, in a pool noodle tournament. But uh, thank you, guys. You guys can put the pool noodles and the, the presents down. But let's give them a round of applause. All right. So we have fun in kids' church and in youth group. And that's super intentional because by having fun, we get to build relationships. You know, you're more likely to go deep with people, more often than not, with the people that you're willing to laugh with. You know, if you're able to laugh with them, then you're probably willing to then cry with them. You know, it's, it's just a way to tear down the walls and to get kids having fun so that we can then do the next thing that we try to do on Wednesday mornings and or Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, which is truth. We talk to them about things that matter. And today, down in a preschool room, they're talking about Queen Esther. All right, they're talking about Queen Esther. And they've been talking about Esther this entire month, and they're wrapping up today the story. And they're talking about the reality that God is with them 
no matter what. Just like God was with Queen Esther, if you remember the story, when she went in to talk to the king, and God saw her through that. So there, our, our three and four-year-olds are learning about the importance that, hey, God is with you. They're starting to get their, their biblical worldview shaped for them by hearing that truth. In kids' church today, they're, they're talking about the story of Nehemiah. They've been talking about that the entire month, and they're wrapping up the story. And uh, if you know the, what the story of Nehemiah is, uh, the Israelites were in exile, and uh, they, God slowly but surely brought them back to the land. And uh, Nehemiah was in exile, and he said, hey, the walls of Jerusalem have been torn down. I need to go fix the walls. And so God put that on Nehemiah's heart, and he went back. And towards the end of the story, they start celebrating. So they're talking about looking for ways to celebrate what God has done. And they're talking about that through the story of Nehemiah, the end of the story there. And that's so important for our kids to be learning because often in life we can go through life, if we're not having eyes to see what's God doing, we can often miss out on opportunities to thank God and praise God because he's always at work in our lives. But often we just, we just miss it. And so they're learning that. In youth group, we're going through a series called The Thread. And in this, this series, we're going through this entire school year where we're walking through the story of the Bible. Because a lot of our teens who come out Wednesday nights, they're not here Sunday mornings. A lot of our teens come from homes where Jesus isn't a priority. And so when you name characters in the Bible like Moses or David, it's just, they just they've never heard the stories. And that's not their, their fault. They've just grown up in an environment where it's not a priority. So we're trying to help give them an understanding of, hey, what is this, this book called the Bible that we often look at as old and confusing and like what is going on? And trying to help them see it's one big story and Jesus is at the center of it. And we're trying to tie the thread of Scripture together. And so downstairs and on, on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, we talk about truth. And the last thing is relationships. Relationships. We intentionally try to get to know each other. We want the kids to get to know us, and we want to get to know the kids. And I have a couple pictures. Uh, one is from Kids Church. There's Grandpa Galen. This was a few months ago. I don't know if you knew I took this picture, but he's teaching a lesson. And while he's teaching them, while he's down there interacting with them, he's getting to know them, and they're getting to know him. Then on Sunday mornings when they're running around here, they see him, and that's Grandpa Galen, and they have a relationship with him. I have some other pictures. This is from youth group. At youth group, we always have a small group time. And on the left, we have our middle school guys hanging out over here. And then on the right, we have our high school guys hanging out in Mike's truck. And they're just building relationship together. They're hanging out, talking about truth. But as they're doing that, they're getting to know each other. And relationships are so important. The Christian life was never meant to be a solo thing. It's meant to be a community thing. And Pastor Corey has mentioned this before, but there have been studies done that have talked about, hey, the kids that grow up and leave high school and then um, like stick in church, those who grow up and make faith their own thing, there's been studies done that the, the, the kids who tend to stick around in the faith are the ones who tend to have at least five other caring adults speaking truth into their life. That's five other adults outside of their mom and dad speaking truth into their life. And so on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, we want to help be some of those adults that can help speak truth into the lives of kids and students because they need voices speaking truth into their lives. And so the desire is through fun and truth and relationship that we help create an environment of discipleship where kids and students can learn about what it means to 
pick up their cross daily and follow Jesus. That they can learn about what Jesus says, hey, you need to let go of your own priorities and make my priorities what's really important. We want to, through fun and truth and relationship, help disciple them. And so what I think is going on downstairs right now is so, so important. And what happens Wednesday nights is so, so important because it's getting kids in environments where they can do those things, where they can hear truth and build relationships with people that care. But there's a lot more time during the week, right, than just Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, right? There's a whole lot more time. There's a whole lot more time during the year. And I have uh, just a graph for you. I guess that's what you call it. There's 8,760 hours in a year. Right? That's a, a good amount of time, right? A good amount of time to do all sorts of things. But the average parent out of that 8,760 hours has about 3,000 hours of influence in that, in that given year. All right? 3,000 hours. That's a lot of time to be influencing uh, a child. And, and that, may, that may vary depending on the parent. And, and if you're here today and you're not a parent, I'm not a parent, um, we may not have 3,000 hours, but around our, our neighborhood kids, around our nieces and nephews, or if you're a grandma and grandpa here today, around your grandkids, around the kids here at GFC, we may not have 3,000 hours, but we may have three hours or 30 hours or 300 hours. We still have some type of influence on their life. But what about the church? What's the average amount of time the church has to influence a kid in a year? The average amount of hours the church has to influence a kid in a year is 40 hours. You go from 3,000 hours to 40 hours, and who has the most time to influence a young life? Parents, family. It's, it's, it's not that, that challenging to see that, hey, influencing the kid, influencing the next generation, it can't be done just on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. Although I am a huge advocate for that, and I think those things are so important, there has to be more to their discipleship than just Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. And if you're a parent here today, we're, we're talking to you, but then also to all of us here, your grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, we're all, we all at some point in our year, I'm sure, interact with kids or students in some way, shape, and form. And so, again, Jesus calls us to discipleship. And so how are we doing influencing kids and students for Jesus? How do you use the hours that you have with kids and students? Is it impacting them for Jesus or is it impacting them for other things? I want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is a, a, um, a very famous passage when people talk about um, impacting the next generation, but it's so good. Um, Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 to 9. In the context of this, Moses has just led God's people. They've gone out of Egypt and they've wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They're on the brink of entering the promised land and they're going over the law that God has given them. And then Moses, he turns, after talking about the Ten Commandments and the different laws, he turns to the families, and this is what he says. He says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, 
when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. So there's a couple things I want to draw out of this to help us think. Are we impacting the younger generation? Whether you're a parent, a grandparent, whether you have kids, you don't have kids, I think it's all something we need to think about. And the first thing is I want to zoom in on that part. It says, love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God. It goes on to talk about with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. Because I believe here Moses is calling us to, hey, to know what our priorities are. He's saying, hey, what is your priority? What is most important to you? Because the reality is the things we're going to pass on to the generation, we're going to pass on the things that are most important to us, or at least we're going to offer it to them. They may choose to reject it or not, but the things that we think are most important are the things we're going to say, hey, this should be important to you. Does that, do, you, do you guys follow me with that? Like the things that we say are most important in our life are the things that our kids are going to look at and say, hmm, this is what mom and dad think is important. Hey, this is what grandma and grandpa think is important. Hey, this is what my aunt or uncle, hey, or that person that lives next door who's my neighbor, they think this is important. And so we need to ask ourselves, what are our priorities? Moses called the Israelites to love the Lord their God with all their heart and their soul and their mind, with all that they have. And that would be the thing that they then get to pass on, to at least say, hey, this should be a priority to you. And the younger generation could say, nah, I'm going to reject that. But what are the priorities you're passing along to the next generation? Kids and teens, they're like sponges, right? The things you say, the things you do, they're listening, they're watching. My, my niece and my nephews are getting to that age where we can't, we have to spell out words, you know, that age where they, they can't spell yet, but sometimes we'll be talking, it's like, oh, I, little ears, I don't want them to know about this, so we'll spell things out because it's a, it's a topic they shouldn't be engaged with yet. Or we're going to have C-A-K-E later, and we don't want them to know because then they'll go crazy for it because they want cake. Like, so we'll spell out things. And so we have to prioritize and watch what are we communicating to the younger generation because they're like sponges. They'll hear the things we say. They'll watch the things we do. They'll hear the things we don't say. And they'll watch the things we don't do. And they'll know this is important to mom. This is important to dad. This is important to my aunt or my uncle. A kid knows when football is important to dad. A kid knows when family is important to mom. A kid knows when grandma and grandpa like to go vacationing. Like they, they know what's important to mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and the adults in their life. And none of those things are, are necessarily bad. But if we asked, well, just pick a kid in your life, whether it's a niece, a nephew, your own child, a grandkid, and, and you ask them, hey, what do you think are the five most important things in my life? What do you think they would say? It would be interesting to hear their answer. Like, Would Jesus or God or church or the Bible or praying or anything, like they might not be able to comprehend like, oh, Jesus is really important to you. You're a disciple of Jesus, mom and dad. They might not be able to articulate that. But is faith at all something that they would see? Is, yeah, mom and dad, you know, they like football. They like, they like doing this and that. And oh yeah, they like going to church and they, they, they believe in this God. And yeah, like would that be on their list of how they perceive what's important to you? Because they know what's important to you. And so I think we need to start by examining our priorities before we move on to anything else. Because the younger generation is going to know they're like sponges. They're soaking it up. 
And so what priorities are we passing on to them? Are we passing good things, bad things, or the best thing, which is loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind? We move on in that passage, and Moses tells them to repeat. He says, talking about the commands of the law, he says, repeat them again and again to your children. So he starts out, hey, know your priorities, and then repeat the commands of that priority and all those things. Just repeat them again and again. And it's the idea of intentionality. It's the idea of being intentional. And when we're intentional, what we're doing is we're creating purposeful and meaningful ways to communicate our priorities. And so what things are you intentionally communicating to your kids? Again, if, if you're buying tickets to a football game, that's intentionally communicating to your kids. Oh, they like football. Or the things we spend our money on or the, the, the things we prioritize our time with, those are intentional ways that we can communicate our priorities to the next generation. And again, how do we communicate things about faith with our kids? Are there intentional ways that we can do that? Are there any intentional ways that we can do that? I think one, showing up in Christian community, whether that's Sunday morning and or small groups or being around other Christians, just intentionally putting your kids around people who are going to talk about Jesus, they're going to soak that up. They're also going to soak it up if, we, if we're always putting kids in environments where Everything else is talked about except Jesus. And they're going to learn what's important to us based on the community we keep. And again, as Jesus followers, we're meant to go be light to the world. So we should be in community with not just believers, but we should go be witnessing to the world. But kids will pick up what's important to us based on the people we spend time with. Next, just the idea of intentionally spending time talking about truth with them. Kids need us to have conversations with them because they have lots and lots of questions and they don't fully understand things. And we can't just assume that they always know who Moses is or David is or who Jesus is. And so just intentionally finding times to ask those intentional questions can be very powerful. And I think there's other ways we can be intentional without even using our words. It's by just the things we choose to do with our life. My dad did something uh, that was very intentional that shaped me as a kid. And he didn't even say a word. Every morning I'd get up to get ready for school and I'd walk downstairs. I'd go into the living room and there would be my dad with his Bible and he'd be praying. And seeing that year after year after year, I knew what was important to my dad, even though he, he, he didn't have to say a word about it. But he, he intentionally put himself in, an, in a place where I would see that and he would model it for me. And I knew what was important to him. And so how can we intentionally pass on our priorities? The next thing, going back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. So he talks about loving the Lord our God. <coughs> excuse me, And repeating them again and again. And then he talks about when you're at home. And when you're on the road. And when you're going to bed. And when you're getting up. I love that verse. It's just kind of this picture. It just, you just get a picture of all of life, wherever you're at, whether you're at home, whether you're, you're walking somewhere else, as soon as you get up and whenever you go to bed, it's just this idea of normalcy. It's this idea of regularity. It's this idea of 
normally seizing opportunities, the everyday opportunities, to communicate your priorities. And so let me ask you this. Your normal day-to-day living, outside of just the very intentional moments where you're intentionally doing something, but just the normal day-to-day rhythms and habits of your life, what are they communicating to the next generation? Because again, they're sponges. They overhear a conversation of mom and, with mom and dad. What are they picking up from that conversation? They, they hear about something going on at work and they're hearing the way you're just, you're just going at that coworker. What are they learning about how to prioritize living for Jesus in work, at work? You know, they, they, they overhear and they see the things that we do. When, when life gets hard and there's just pain in life, they're watching how we're modeling how to suffer well or how not to suffer well. And oftentimes they're then, as they grow up, they're then going to, well, mom and dad did it like this. I'm going to do it like this. And again, what does that communicate to them? Do we communicate how to suffer well for Jesus? Do we communicate, hey, when life is hard, I need to go to God rather than turn away from God? When someone hurts me, do I communicate that I hurt them back and gossip about them and slander them? Or do I communicate that I, though it's challenging, love and forgive and show them compassion? Because all of those things are day-to-day reactions to life, just our normal habits and rhythms are communicating our priorities to them, whether we like it or not. And again, that's not just for parents. That's for grandma and grandpa. I'm an uncle, and so when I'm around my nieces and nephews, the way I talk about just life and the hard things going on in my life or the different things going on in my family, it's communicating to them, hey, this is how someone who follows Jesus should talk, or this is how someone who follows Jesus should act. Or, it's and sometimes I don't always do it in a good way. And so sometimes I don't communicate my priorities well. So I think we need to really think about this. As the older generations, to the kids who are downstairs now and the, the teens who come out Wednesday nights, how do we, one, prioritize what's important? How do we intentionally talk to them about those things? And then, what are just the normal ways that we can communicate those priorities to them? And this is so important because the reality is time is ticking by, right? Like if you're a parent or a grandparent, I often hear, man, my kids or my grandkids, they're growing up so fast. Like I hear that all the time. And I look at my niece and my nephews and, wow, I can't believe they're already like this tall. And they were like this tall at one point. Like it's, it blows my mind. But time is going by fast. And, and if you're a parent, um, even when your kids are adults, you'll still be their parent. My parents still have influence in my life. But their influence was strongest in my life when I was born to until I became an adult, in those developmental years. And in this jar, there are 936 little, little stones, little marble things. And each of these little stones represents one week. Because as soon as a child is born, until they graduate, they have 936 weeks. It's not that much time. By a kid enters first grade, this has already gone down one-third. By the time they've entered first grade, by the time they're entering middle school, it's already down. There's just one-third of their time left before they're an adult at 18, before they graduate, before they go off to college, before they start that next phase. And so that's why it's so important for us to be thinking about these things because time isn't slowing down. Often I hear 
I hear as people get older, the time goes faster. And that's what I'm experiencing. Each year just seems to go faster and faster. And so how are we influencing these kids? How are we influencing the next generation when there's only 936 weeks from birth till they graduate? Because time is ticking by and we can't miss discipleship or else they're going to miss it. And one of the things I love most about the curriculum we use here at GFC, it's called Orange. And Pastor Corey, I have a a graphic for you guys. Pastor Corey showed this graphic before. It kind of encapsulates Orange's philosophy. The home is red and the church is yellow. The idea is, hey, the church uh, or the family shows love. um, And then the church has the truth of the gospel and they combine together to make Orange. All right. And Together, this idea of, hey, there's different influences in your kid's life. Why not partner them together to have maximum influence in their life? Because, parents, you shouldn't expect your kids to come Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. And if that's all you're doing for their discipleship, sorry, there's 3,000-ish hours in your life in a year to influence them. You have more time than we do, than the church does. That's just... The reality, 40 hours really isn't that much. But when kids and students come to GFC, they get things that as a parent you can't necessarily give them all the time. You give, there's other adult voices. They get to have fun with their peers. They get to hear truth spoken um, from outside the home. And so partnering them together can be very powerful. When kids and students, they experience the united influence of the church and the family together, That is so, so powerful. So today, I just want to wrap up, and I want us to be thinking about what we can do as a church family to be a little more orange. What can we as individuals and as families do to be a little more orange, not for our own sake, but for the next generation's sake, for those kiddos downstairs and for the teens on Wednesday nights? And the first thing I want to say is, one, we just need to evaluate what our priorities are. We need to evaluate what the priorities are that we're teaching for the next generation. Because, again, they're like sponges. And I've had my mom and dad, they, they, they taught me so many priorities. My dad, he prioritized the fact that, hey, hunting and camping and L.L. Bean, that was important to him, and I knew it, and I love those things, too. And that's not a bad thing. That's a, that's a fun thing. And now as an adult, we get to talk about those things and engage in those things together. And it's awesome. But then there were other priorities that they taught me that I don't think they meant to teach me. Things about how to handle certain situations. Because I love my mom and dad. They were amazing parents, but they weren't perfect. Just like there's no perfect mom and dad. And so we need to evaluate what priorities are we teaching our kids? What are we teaching our nieces and nephews? When we're at family gatherings, how do we talk to when there's little ears around? How do we communicate with people? How do we spend our money? What are our kids learning from the way we spend our money? How, when we spend our time, what are our kids picking up from that? Are they learning ultimately the best thing, which is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind? And so I'd encourage you, maybe today, If you're married, maybe sit down with your spouse and just talk about that. Hey, what is our current lifestyle passing on or offering to the next generation? Just evaluate that. Whether you have 3,000 hours in a year with the kid 
or whether you have three hours in a year with the kids. We all, as Jesus followers, have the opportunity to influence and empower them to follow Jesus. But they're going to miss it if we miss it. They're going to see what our priorities are. And that's, those are the things we're going to offer to them. The second thing is this. Intentionally talk to and listen to kids and students in your life. Intentionally talk and listen to kids and students in your life. Who in here would say that you're more of a a verbal processor? Anybody? Just me and Pastor Corey? Oh, okay. A couple of us? All right. Who's in more of an internal processor? Who doesn't want to tell me? All right. Kids and students, they, they, just like we as adults can communicate in different ways, they often have their own unique ways they need to be communicated to and with. And I think as adults, we need to be creative in how we Try to communicate to them. Figure out, hey, how does, how does communicating with this kid look like and how does communicating with this kid look like? There's some teens on Wednesday nights that I know if I just ask one question, they're going to be off and talking for the rest of the night. And then there's others where it's like, i got to ask 5, 10, 15 questions before I find that one thing that's on their mind, and then they'll start to open up and talk. But I think conversation is so powerful because as adults, I think we enjoy conversation, right? And when I mean conversation, I don't mean just having people talk to us, but then also us being able to talk back. It's a two-way conversation. Kids and students, they want those things too. One, I think they need to hear from us, and so we need to talk to them about truth. We need to talk to them about what matters. But also, we have this amazing, powerful weapon called the power of a question. Questions are so powerful. Because when you ask someone a question, when you get them just... It gets them opening up about themselves, about what matters to them. Sometimes if we lead just with truth all the time, sometimes it it can be easy to just put, yeah, like, okay, whatever, mom, dad, whatever. But as soon as we we start to ask questions, and when we ask questions, we get to know them. It's a way to build relationship with them. It's a way to show interest in the things that they're interested in. And so there are things that some of the teens are interested in that I I have no interest in. I, I don't have any interest in playing Fortnite, but a lot of them do, and so I try to ask them questions about it because I don't care about Fortnite, but I care about them. And I'm sure there are things your grandkids are into or your nieces and nephews uh, or your, your kids. That's Kids these days, what are they into these days? Ask them questions about it. Get to know what they're into because that shows interest in their life. And when they know that you care, then they're more likely to care about what you know. Does that make sense? When they know you care about them, there's more likely a chance that, you know what, grandma and grandpa care about this, and maybe I should too. When we know someone cares about us, we're more willing to listen to them. And when it comes to this idea of just intentionally talking and listening to our kids, another piece I think we need to to think about is, We shouldn't freak out when the younger generation has questions about faith that we can't answer. On Wednesday night, there were some kids asking some questions. And I was like, I literally never asked that question. That is an amazing question. I have no idea how to answer that. And I'll be honest, um, as the one up front talking, that can be really daunting when someone asks a question. It's like, I don't know the answer to that. And it can be very um, easy to want to try to muffle an answer in my pride, just come up with an answer. But being humble enough to say, you know what, I don't know. Let's explore that together. 
When a kid has doubt about faith or the Bible, that's not the worst thing in the world. It means they're wrestling through their faith. So how can we help them with their doubts? Kara Powell, who's the executive director at what's called uh, Fuller Youth Institute, she has a quote. She says that doubt isn't toxic to faith. Silence is. Doubt isn't toxic to faith. Silence is. We're all going to have doubts at some point in our life when it comes to faith, when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to this or that. So doubt isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world, but if our kids come to us with doubts or questions, being willing to at least listen and humbly say, if we don't know, I don't know, let's try to find answers together. That then, it builds relationship. It shows them that you're, you're being honest with them, that you don't know everything. And because in their silence, they're going to isolate and they're going to form their own conclusions. And when they come to that point, it's going to be much harder than to influence them for what's important to you. Also, when it comes to intentionally talking to kids, something that I want to encourage all the parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles in the room, there's this thing called the Parent Q app, and there are a bunch of these sitting around. The Parent Q app, um, if you go to the Parent Q app, it's free in the Apple or Android or whatever store you can get those things in. Go get this app because it does some things. One, it'll tell you what we're talking about here at GFC for kids and, and preschoolers. It'll tell you, hey, this is the, the memory verse for the week. It'll also have a video lesson. So if you're not here one Sunday, you can still play the video lesson for them and have conversations with them. I was talking with one guy who uses this, this app and he says, hey, when my kids come home from church, then on like Monday night, I'll watch the preschool lesson with my, with my preschooler. And then we'll talk about it. And it's six minutes long. It's not long. But then that's a way that he can intentionally have conversation with his preschooler. The other amazing thing is there's this picture with this boy named Jacob. And you can put your own kids in it and, or your nieces, nephews, grandkids. And it tells you how many weeks they have left until they graduate. And it's just a good reminder that, hey, I need to seize this moment. I need to make the most of the opportunities I have because they're growing up. So I want to encourage you all. To check out the Parent Q app. Lastly, so we talked about intentionally having conversation, about evaluating our priorities, and lastly, very simple, just take an interest in the younger generation. Just have an interest in it. Please, because as Jesus followers, impacting other people is what we're called to. We're not called to just come sit at church. We're called to impact the next generation. And I know that doesn't necessarily mean we're all called to be in preschool or in kids' church or at Wednesday night with youth group. I, I understand that. Not everybody is meant to do that, and not everyone is in a stage where they can do that. But we're all at a point where we can at least take some interest in the next generation. Maybe that's simply just be praying for the next generation. Maybe on Wednesday night, set a reminder in your phone, hey, youth group's happening, and just pray for us. Our volunteers would love if you prayed for us because we get asked some hard questions. We interact with kids that don't always know Jesus, and it can be tough. And so at the very least, pray. Maybe just try to build relationships with the kids you see running around here. Get to know their parents because maybe, maybe you can't be with the preschoolers, but maybe you could get to know the parents of a preschooler. Maybe you're at that life stage where your kids are, are out of the nest or you're at a point where you can just influence parents. If you influence a parent for Jesus, then you're also going to influence them and their kid. Get two birds with one stone. How cool is that? Like that is awesome. So just think about 
how can we help the next generation get to their next phase? And maybe for some of us, maybe some of us, the, the step we could take is by volunteering, whether in preschool or in nursery, at the family welcome desk, at youth group, in kids' church. There are a lot of amazing opportunities to serve with the next generation. There are, are, there are opportunities there. And we would love to have some more people who can have fun with kids. If you want to come face these teens with these pool noodles, they would love to hit you with a pool noodle. But even more so, they would like to know that you care about them. And they'd like to know what you have to say about Jesus. Because they genuinely want to know. If you Maybe you're not good at teaching a lesson in front of kids, but maybe you could just be there, sit with them, help them to, hey, shh, you got to be quiet, you got to listen to the teacher. If you could do that, that's a way you could impact them. If you could help parents get figure out, hey, what do I do here at, at the family welcome desk? There's opportunities there. And again, not everybody is able to, at the life stage you're at or whatever you, you're at in life, we're not all meant to just come serve. There's more to life than that. There's the Monday through Saturday life as well. But those are some opportunities to intentionally interact and engage with the younger generation. And this past week, I asked some volunteers about, hey, why do you do what you do? Why do you serve the kids, the students, and the families at GFC? And one of our volunteers said this. They said, because my Sunday school teachers and youth leaders impacted me and were an amazing example of Jesus' love, and I want to do the same for these kids and teens. They taught me that Jesus changes everything, and I want others to believe and see that too. This volunteer had adults in their life who didn't miss it, and now they're helping the next generation not to miss it. Another volunteer just said, hey, I just have so much joy interacting with these kids, and it's just awesome. So what are your priorities? What intentional conversations can you have with your grandkids, kids, nieces, nephews, the neighbors? And do you at least have any interest in the next generation? Because I think we should. As Moses told the Israelites, we need to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. We need to repeat these things. And it's just a normal part of life. And as Jesus followers, we're called to pick up our cross daily, all the time. We're supposed to be looking for ways to, one, grow ourselves as disciples, but then also help others to grow. We can't miss discipleship. Because if we do, they will too. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the fact that, that you are working in the lives of kids and students. You are impacting the next generation. And Lord, this room is full of people who have been impacted by the generations before us. And we're thankful for the ways that you've used believers in all of our lives to, to show us what it means to follow you. May you help us as a church family to, to seek to follow you each and every day, not just Sundays, but every day. Let us not miss the importance, the opportunity, and the responsibility for discipleship. We love you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.